Broadcasting live from hell, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible women talk about horror. My name's Louisa, and I'm joined by my magical coven, Mila, Taya, and Zeba. And this week, we're going back to our countdown of female horror tropes as outlined by feminist film theorist Barbara Creed. So if you haven't seen episode one or two yet, go back and catch up, because this week we are going to be talking all about the last of Creed's tropes, The Monstrous Womb. To start with, we are going to talk about the 1968 film Rosemary's Baby, directed by pedophile and rapist Roman Polanski. We have no interest in separating art from the artist, and our discussion will forefront the evils he has committed. Fuck the Hollywood elite who continue to defend him. Fuck everyone who thinks child rape and sexual assault are redeemable acts as long as the assailant is deemed culturally valuable. And fuck the sensationalist media and corrupt justice system while we're at it. The second film we're going to tackle is the 2019 drama horror The Room, directed by Christian Volkman. Enjoy! So how have you guys been? (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) It's alright. Do you want to hear some womb facts? Yes, I do. In ancient Egypt, and then carried on by ancient Greece, there was this belief that the womb could just, like, wander around the inside of your body and, like, cause your other parts of your body to like mess up or get ill so it was like a kind of living animal within you like just kind of wandered around and that is where we're thought to have the root uh of hysteria come from because like the greek word for womb is hysterica i don't know how to say that it's probably wrong Um, that's cute that's like a celebrity baby name yeah so but to fix the wandering womb condition they would put different smells next to your mouth and genitals like to try to move it back to your place like unattractive smells in next to your nose and like nice ones next to your vagina to make it go back into its little location i kind of dig the 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 idea here of the womb being this like naughty little (laughs) organ (laughs) anyway those were some facts that i got that i thought were were really fun so do we want to talk about what what creed says about the monstrous womb what's your guys's understanding of that so and we talked about it in our first episode together. The idea of the womb being horrific because it's it's the abject. So something that we find unsettling and therefore it invokes fear and I, I guess uncanniness. And the fact that we bleed out of our wombs um, also ties into the whole idea of abjection. Yeah, like... That blood is, it, it like produces, it's the origin of life, and it's like the point at which we become from thing to person, and when you give birth, like after birth, blood comes out, and all these things that remind us of our own mortality or our own animalistic nature, and that's a bit basically what Creed writes, that men fear about birth and wombs, because it reminds them of our connection to nature, which is uncontrollable. I just think it's funny how uh, it's mostly Western cultures that have this, like, weird religious fear of the womb, though, because, I mean, I can only speak for India, but there's a lot of, like, holy womb imagery that goes along with the phallus. So, like, both the phallus, the phallic, and the yonic are considered holy equally, and you're considered holy when you find a balance between the two, and... There's, like, so much worship of, like, the shape of the vagina and also the womb together. And I think that's true in, like, most of the non-Western world. So I I don't have any deep theory as to why that is. But, you know, it's misogyny. Yeah. Do you think it's just rooted in Christianity? Like... Judaism, Christianity, or I don't know maybe because it, it goes, it goes, it's go so goes against anything Freudian as well as like you want to return to the womb or you want to like re- return to the place that's safe and warm and all your needs are met. So I never really understood. I mean, besides like fear of periods or fear of menstruating, beyond that, like the womb itself does some pretty miraculous stuff, and it, you know, like. Even the Virgin Mary as a concept is like, okay, but the baby was in a, a womb. <laughs> so, like, I I don't understand the, like, association, like, automatic association with insanity or the devil or beyond the, like, hormones hysteria theory. I think it's definitely a point about 
controlling a woman's woman's body and it's like if it's something that needs to be policed which is more of a patriarchal or thing which is essentially what creed is saying she says that if women are connected to nature then they exist she says exactly i'll read it women's reproductive functions places her out on the side of nature rather than symbolic order so it becomes a thing in western culture to control and police zabe what you said now i am rethinking the whole freudian idea of why is returning to the womb seen as something really this might be a reach it's just horror that makes (laughs) this might be a reach but perhaps like the idea of the womb being scary and used in horror is part of the part of it rooted in patriarchy due to like the womb is the only place where a male is not in charge and they can't control anything you're completely at the woman's mercy who's carrying you and um it's the only time where a woman has complete control i guess over her life in a sense and maybe that's why we see so many people trying to regulate it because you can end the pregnancy if that's what you desire to do or put the baby up for adoption it's the only time where i think a man is not on top of society and they're completely at the mercy of a woman especially when they're a baby as well that's a great point why do you guys think that the canon or like what do you what tropes do you think of in horror when you think of the monstrous womb like how would you describe the canon the devil baby yeah yeah it's always like that antichrist will come from a woman or like the antichrist will come from a woman's being dumb like it's that classic eve taking the apple trope it's it's never it had it almost has nothing to do with a man ever like men might be around they might be present but it's always like the folly of woman that creates the antichrist yeah maybe this is like similar to the point that we made i think on the first episode where we were saying like possession is rooted in like penetration and the same concept with the woman having to birth the antichrist is like there's no way a man can be evolved due to the penetration and the castration anxiety and everything associated with it as well i think we made that point in episode one that's great but you know how when we were brainstorming for this episode do you know how when we were talking about how why can't we find any black women's horror movies which are about the womb because you would think right given the fact that the statistics are so bleak and i can read a few now um it's it's the same well not the same but it's similar situations in the u.s and the uk and seeing as we're all transatlantic i'm gonna read statistics about that but in the u.s in the centers for disease control and prevention it says that black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy related causes than white women and in the uk in the uk confidential inquiry into maternal deaths the chance of death is one in uh 2500 for black women but the rate was five times smaller for white women between 2014 and 2016 so obviously those are really alarming and it's just almost ironic that most of the horror we talk about in when we talk about the monster's room is always like a white family and a white woman and i just think that's interesting because it seems like if anyone would write horror about this it would be black women i think what taya said about Uh, No, Zeba said, well, maybe both of you said uh, the idea of the sort of Eve character being folly, being innocent, sort of just happens into this situation of giving birth to the Antichrist. I feel like in mainstream horror, mainstream horror in terms of the filmmakers and the audience reception, apparently we can't portray a black woman as somebody who can be innocent. Maybe, but don't you think like the woman is always being punished? And I, yeah, I don't think it's, it's, it's not so much that it's like two sides of the coin where they're pretty and innocent and oops, you know, she ate the apple, but it's, it's like rooted in misogyny as well. It's, it's sort of, Hmm. it's not wholly good. Okay. I think it's kind of partially because, uh, like, I think the public perception of womanhood and what they consider as womanhood is valuable womanhood or innocence is always white womanhood. Uh... So I think that the portrayal is always just like this blonde white woman who's very frail. I don't think also fertility doesn't look like what media would have you think it looks like. Like all these women are very like fertility traditionally in art is like you got to have some hips. You have like generally it's like a fuller figure. Generally it's like it's not about like the luster of your hair or the blondness of it or like 
I mean, I'm skipping a little bit ahead to the Mira Farrow situation, but like that is not what I imagine in my mind's eye or even in art history as like the image of fertility. Like we've fictionalized what fertility looks like in the real world. So Polanski initially wanted a curvier <laughs> woman. Um, I think he wanted Sharon Tate, his wife, to play the part. I'm saying curvy and like, you can't see my air bunnies. Sharon Tate st- was still quite tiny though. I know, no, that's hence the air bunnies. Is in, in his, according to his standards, he wanted that more like Botticelli-esque voluptuous woman. Um, obviously that is still still just a slender woman but comparing to Mia Farrow who is that more like Twiggy type and Twiggy I mean is in the model didn't um, Mia Farrow have like a thousand children as well though yeah but but they were adopted oh (laughs) (laughs) I think they were adopted I think she was Angelina Jolie before Angelina Jolie she made that she invented the idea of adoption no, the original was Josephine Baker. What did she call them? The Rainbow Tribe? That is true. Yeah. Josephine Baker was the OG, you know, tiny woman to adopt children from all over the world. And that was like back in 20s, 30s. She was a flapper. Okay. So yeah, black women being erased again. <laughs> Josephine Baker is the original Angelina Jolie. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Yeah, what we're saying is that also, what we imagine to be the monstrous womb is heavily influenced by Roman Polanski's vision of womanhood in Mosemary's Baby, which is not great <laughs> that our version relies on him or our vision relies on him. The thing that confused me about Rosemary's Baby is how did it take so little effort to deliver the Antichrist? <laughs> but in Twilight, but like in Twilight, she was like about to die from carrying a vampire baby. So I'm like. Oh. Is that simple to carry that child? Yeah. Rosemary was suffering. She, what are you talking not about? Not to the extent of Bella, where Bella was like, I have to be turned into a vampire because I cannot carry she, this child. She low-key was. Like, the only reason Bella was suffering yeah. is because it was taking her blood, but Rosemary was also suffering and eating raw meat and, like, doing... Yeah. I mean, there was, like, a lady who was pregnant on My Strange Addiction, and she would eat, like, crayons and stuff like that. So I'm like, I mean, it could just be a weird pregnancy craving to eat raw meat. Yeah, it's because you're iron deficient. You need minerals. That's like a thing. I felt like her pregnancy seemed simpler than Bella's for her to be carrying the child of the devil, Rosemary's baby. Like, it was hard, but it wasn't like she about to die from bending over. Renesmee, like, clawed her way out of Bella's stomach or, like, ate her way out of Bella's stomach. Yeah. Edward. Edward ate his way into her womb to get Renesmee out. Yes, he did. Yes, he, no, he did. He made it worse. Yes, <laughs> no, he didn't. Why no, couldn't they worse. Why couldn't they do a C-section? He did. Why couldn't he did. they? So he did a C-section why? with his teeth. Okay, but my question is, why couldn't they do a C-section before it was life and death? Like, while she was like a calm eight, eight and a half months, why didn't they do a C-section? <laughs> also, Carla, how's our doctor? Why didn't they do that? Like, they could have been took that baby out as a preemie and, like, hoped for the best. There was no reason she had to incubate it. For that long. Also, the baby grew up, like, instantaneously as well. Like, she grew up faster than the other kids. So That's true, but as soon as, as soon as. That is true. As soon as she looked like a toothpick with a grape (laughs) on it, I think you're good to go. I really want to watch this film again. You should always watch it. I watch it, like, at least every three months. Just to keep fresh. Every time I get moderately stressed out in life, which is a lot, I will rewatch Twilight because it reminds me of a simpler time. Yeah, I feel truly feel like a preteen again, but I also realize like where I got all my unhealthy relationship expectations from. Like very like, clearly I will came die from for Twilight. You. I'm like, why doesn't anyone want to die for me? I'll die for anyone. <laughs> I'll dead ass die. I'll, I'll die. die. I'll die. <laughs> but no one wants to die for me because I didn't read Twilight. I'm Just upset. Just send them the PDF of Night Sun. <laughs> it's like eight hundred pages it's a big commitment if they can commit if they can commit to all 800 pages of midnight sun they can commit to me i'm probably less uh less work than 800 pages of midnight sun (laughs) i'm about just as much work (laughs) twilight breaking dawn also has that like mormon no sex before marriage and no abortion propaganda 
It does. Why the fuck is Edwin such a loser? Why <laughs> He's a 110-year-old he's virgin. From, he's from whenever he is. Like the 1700s. Whenever Spanish influenza was. That was That's not the 1700s, fam. That was 1920. <laughs> okay. I didn't profess to be a historian. This is not a history <laughs> podcast. <laughs> The first film we're discussing is the 1968 classic Rosemary's Baby, which follows Rosemary and Guy, a new couple who have moved into a New York City apartment building with a suspicious history of witchcraft. The story centers itself on Rosemary, who is tricked by a satanic coven into carrying the child of Satan. I can't stay too long here. They'll, they'll be coming looking for me. Dr. Hill? Dr. Hill, there's a plot. I know that sounds crazy. You're probably thinking, my God, this poor girl is really flipped. But I ha- I haven't flipped, but Dr. Hill, I swear, by all the saints, I haven't. There are plots against people, aren't there? Yes, I suppose there are. Well, there, there's one against me and my baby. Anybody have anything to say about Roman Polanski before we begin? <laughs> I don't want it to be disrespectful, but I feel really bad that like so many people associate Sharon Tate's legacy with Roman Polanski because she seems like she was a really angelic and wonderful person, and she does not deserve to be tied to someone who has such a dark, disgusting past of pedophilia and rape. Um, also, yeah, just to reiterate what we said at the beginning, um, our analysis is going to take what... Polanski's been accused of in mind um you can't read this film especially as it features rape you can't read this without acknowledging that and we will Polanski listen up (laughs) from France what did you guys think of the movie I knew that this is like a horror movie classic but it's not really like scary I would say probably back in back when it was released it was probably scary but it's not really scary but it's a lot of symbolism. You know how people like fainted when The Exorcist was in theaters, and actually The Exorcist is like not scary. It's like that thing. Like anything The Exorcist is like... scary to me. The Exorcist is like it, it depends on when you catch me watching it. Like if it's nighttime, I definitely will be creeped out. Yeah, but like it's not like you wouldn't faint watching it, but because of like the religious like audacity or the blasphemy of it, people like react so like viscerally to these films when they're out in like the context of when they come out i mean because you were saying why is it such a horror classic when it's not exactly a horror and i was like well anything that like is very blasphemous at this time would have been quite horrible for people considering the reaction to the exorcist i would definitely call this during this time period i think the nuclear family was emphasized more than it is in modern day so like the idea that you can be married and have like this cute apartment and have your whole life ahead of you and then suddenly give birth to something so unholy would be terrifying to this ideal family unit of like the blonde skinny wife and her handsome buff brunette husband who's successful. Like I think that threateningness of the family and the nuclear family was also what terrified people. Yeah, it's also like in um in the film there's like this moment where they show that 1966 times cover is god dead which was talking about like the dwindling influence of god in modern people's lives so it kind of relates to that like this there was this fear of this like collapsing of values like family values of god of church there was a fear of like rise in um sort of cults and communist paranoia was also increasing so it was kind of all feeding into this moment of anxiety in 1960s america I don't think you even need to necessarily be religious or or have fears towards the occult to find this movie scary because I watch this and I feel really unsettled and quite scared even though it's not it's not grounded in like m- my own fear of satan. <laughs> I think the truly terrifying thing in this film is the sheer amount of gaslighting by every single person in her life that takes place around her body and I think that's something even now women can relate to not even now still now women can relate to watching back like it's I said it's not a horror but I meant like in the sense that like there's not really any blood and guts no one really dies like it's not like the traditional horror that you'd think of but it's become like canon horror because of the fact that that's just so well monstrous to think about um how manipulated she is. Rosemary is the only person that 
film who wears baby blue like all the time which is like supposed to be a color symbolic of heaven and so I think she's just portrayed as like the absolute most innocent pure person and then everyone else around her slowly is like pouring this evil inside of her and feeding the child inside of her is evil and so also I wonder if she would have given birth not around this cult would the baby have been different no because it was still Satan's yeah, but baby like yeah but if she didn't know are you really gonna posit a nature versus nurture <laughs> argument here for <laughs> I don't know about that <laughs> because like she oh. literally woke up and the baby was like in the little crib and she's like what did you do to his eyes and they're like he has his father's eyes and no offense but like for five seconds I literally was sitting there thinking what color his eyes meant <laughs> then I was like oh <laughs> No, but he's described as also having hooves. Like, this is not a human baby. Like, in the book, he's described as, like, having, like, hooves and bloodshot eyes and, like, other satanic deformities. Like, this is very much, you would look at it and be like, that is a demon. The book, I guess the book would help the context. (laughs) Because I was like, just like a normal baby with red eyes. (laughs) But what do you think about, like, the fact that they didn't show it? Do you think that makes it scarier? Because it's like it, it's see it's not even anticlimactic like you would expect. You're just like you're you're more horrified that she's rocking this like mysterious um she's resigned to being the mother to this horrible creature that she's been forced to give birth to. What have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes? He has his father's eyes. What are you talking about, guys? Eyes are normal. What have you done to him, you maniac? Satan is his father, not Guy. He came up from hell and begat a son of mortal woman. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! So after we, she looks into the crib and that iconic shot of her, hand over mouth, wide-eyed, I just, I love that so much. And I think if you, you know, it then cut to this like weird sort of either prosthetic or not CGI, but prosthetic sort of satan baby you'd be like lame (laughs) lame what the fuck even even i think like a 68 audience would be like "Eh, it's kind of like you you know when the monster is shown or cheapened that's good yeah yeah yeah. in 1977 polanski pled guilty to having sex with a minor he was accused of drugging and raping a 13 year old he says he didn't know her age polanski spent 42 days in a californian jail being psychologically evaluated then he fled to France. Polanski is directly related to um, the sort of Me Too moment that we're still kind of living in with like scandals of like Hollywood. Um, and the fact that within this film, it's like weirdly prophetic because her husband makes this deal, which uh, Rosemary's husband, Guy, makes this deal to get her pregnant in order to become a successful actor. So it's it's just kind of spooky or not spooky, but just so like... The fact that this film is so meta and the people involved in it were perpetrating that as well is just so, like, was there, like, do you think that they reflected on that, that they knew what they were doing, or they genuinely believe that they're innocent people? <laughs> Sorry. Um, Sorry. Innocent innocent people, I would go with. Because oh. unless you're, I mean, maybe it's so, you can be so self-indulgent that you make a film, l- like, sort of laden with your crimes and your evils. Maybe you would do that subconsciously or not but i would say it's just let's make a fun movie about the devil oops i'm a devil as well the scene where the husband lets her have the it's like a pudding or a chocolate mousse or something and then let you know he's the one to like take her whatever to get raped by the devil or inseminated and all of that but the fact that she wakes up in the morning and he was like oh i didn't want to miss the your like fertility window your ovulation window and she's like she she's she's very not not chill about it like she definitely thinks it was a wrong thing to do but she's not gonna call him out on it she was like oh like I get I get how you were thinking but we could have waited until the morning or we could have waited till the next day like it wasn't like I can only get pregnant tonight this second like her ex her rationalizing it for herself and for him was so uncomfortable and I didn't I couldn't tell like as a viewer if 
it was being rationalized to me, if it was being rationalized to the characters, if if the writers and directors actually thought that that would have been a fucked up fucked up thing for a husband to do, Satan or not, it, it seemed like it was being explained away. And while it does go along with the gaslighting that happens throughout the whole of it, like I feel like that is something that would happen in a marriage and it would just get glossed over. And it was yeah. very uncomfortable. I looked it up because I was curious because it also made me uncomfortable. And I was curious about like if there would be a moral framework already in place. But um, I think conversations about making marital rape illegal arose in like the 60s time but it was not made illegal completely in all 50 states until 1993 can you believe but maybe i don't know how much awareness at the time there was of that because i also was wondering like is it meant to be explained away or am i meant to feel like uncomfortable as i do or am i bringing 21st century moralism into it i can't tell i think that also this is where like it gets more complicated with knowing um a sort of background of the director so if I had watched this blind I would have actually felt like her 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 acting her reaction towards her husband raping her was almost sort of realistic in the sense that she feels you can tell that she you know her monologue is is being like what the fuck happened but there's also a sense that she's trying to rationalize it and explain it away because also why would why would my husband rape me and I feel like then a few scenes later when she senses and the distance between them, like, I think there is a sort of, especially with rape victims, like, because society is, is sort of trying to silence you, then you do internalise that and you also, you're trying to rationalise and think maybe that's not what happened to me. And I kind of see that with how she acts. But then, again, we've got to put on... <laughs> a different lens, uh, the Polanski lens, and maybe that's just, I don't know. I, I think it's like, the thing that scares me is I, I do th- feel like they, there is some awareness, they are trying to make it seem like suspicious that he did that, at the very least, maybe not wrong, but suspicious, <laughs> yeah. because he then says, he then says <laughs> maybe he, gets, he then says a line of like, oh, it was like cool in like a necrophiliac sort of way, and I'm like, yeah, and that, and like, what? And it's just like, and I think as an audience member, you're meant to think that's weird for him to say. So I don't think you're meant to wholly accept it, which makes me even more uncomfortable because Polanski's like acknowledging maybe that it's a little bit iffy because he's using that as an Easter egg of suspicion that's going to be really relevant later. I thought the point that was trying to be made was that, so if this is the Antichrist, I thought the point that was trying to be made was like the God is dead in that like the conception of christ was also not consensual what do you mean with the virgin mary yeah like i thought like like i don't agree with the point but i thought the point that was trying to be made was that like okay so she was picked to like be the vessel but it was like if if god comes to you or the angel gabriel comes to you like what are you gonna say i'd be like no no heart (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no heart. but like i thought i thought like the i thought the whole thing of it was trying to turn the like immaculate conception on its head i think that's really interesting i didn't even no you're right i think that's a thing they were trying to make it like the reverse story because her name is rosemary like obviously that's playing on mary so i think you're you're right to draw that kind of parallel yeah i didn't and maybe because it's it like obviously that scene that took place post um like rape scene slash dream sequence it was very domestic them just like waking up and that's probably why I, then I'd like turned off my I don't know again like it, yeah I think it's so hard to form any kind of opinion of around that rape scene I don't really know how to but I like use what Zaber said. It kind of that in a way, like the fact that it's intertwined with the narrative and like the whole uh, religious aspect, in a way, then might strip it of some of the like more social context. I think like, I mean, not wholly, but in like watching in that back time. any movie from, I would say, less than recently. Like I remember rewatching Sixteen Candles and thinking like, there's a whole rape scene in here that's completely justified. 
and they still make the guy the hero at the end of the day even though he just gives his girlfriend to like the nerdy guy while she's drunk and passed out and he's like have some fun and the movie was not critiqued at all during that time and so like watching this I was just thinking like how many films that are from the 60s and 70s and 80s and later have these like subtle things that are not so subtle ways to be like, oh, this person was definitely sexually assaulted, but it's okay. Because I guess people just weren't critically thinking of how terrible that was to put in a movie. It's like the very first, like, I feel like with all films, the very first part of like trying to argue for a social cause is to give it representation in the very first instance, even if they can't outright condemn it yet because the social wave hasn't happened, you know? Like, so it's like, okay, we can't like fully show the intricacies of marital rape, but we'll have one scene which is a bit uncomfortable, and that will like get people thinking about it. Although that implies that Polanski is trying yeah. to advocate. And I think he actually wrote film, Rosemary's Baby, so I don't think he was thinking it at all. I think he just put it in there because it was like normal for no. that time period, like Zabe was saying. Uh, and she wasn't really questioning it because in her head, she maybe she had heard of this happening before, and she was trying to rationalize it, especially because she was so religious. We as an audience in 2020 are watching it like, he totally just raped his wife and this is illegal. So when it, if we're relating it back to the monster's womb, I think like, what do you guys think of this um, sort of underlying or maybe unconscious like ableist fears? Because you know, like in like, as we spoke about in the intro kind of a little bit about how the monster's womb canon is all about like, what monster will she give birth to or what is she gonna give birth to it's like i think has like very ableist roots like playing on existing fears of like birthing a deformed child which in many cultures was actually seen as a punishment for sin from god or like a demonic interference or some of some sort yeah i mean a lot of horror does like body horror uh plays on that that sort of unconscious fear i think also the fact that the baby isn't it's a uh, baby's half human, half Satan, like that sort of idea at the end. I'm not sure if I thought about what the baby looked like all that much. Even his red eyes? Yeah. Oh, apart from the eyes, yeah. She does have this constant anxiety throughout the pregnancy, though, which I think is super realistic of like, you know, which doctor to see and what vitamins to take and should it be natural or should I take vitamins or should I give birth in a hospital that's sterile or should I there like that is it's sort of associated with her hysteria which I think is interesting in the womb point of of like she they gaslight her into thinking that she's going crazy but I think that that anxiety while being pregnant is super real and also a symptom of ableism to a certain extent it sort of goes along with that anti-vaxxer point of like what if I vaccinate my kid and they're autistic it's like okay I'd rather have an autistic kid than a sick kid or a dead kid like to, to me that seems super easy of a choice but they they sort of conflate it with her anxieties around the coven like fucking with her head as well which i mean it's all about i mean the womb is all about they they he literally calls it a uh, postpartum crazies i think in the end like after she gives birth prepartum crazies <laughs> i have those every day i have <laughs> crazies every day i actually don't and this might <laughs> oh god <laughs> sort of but yeah sort of i don't know put a spanner in the works i don't really think uh rosemary's role in this film i don't think it's pointing to her herself or her womb as monstrous despite the fact that she's carrying her this uh carrying satan i think it's she's very much in this film portrayed as a victim um as we said who's been gaslighted and forced to carry this child it there doesn't seem to be like a, a sort of underlying anxiety or uncanniness around her there's not you know there's not so much apart from really? that one nude scene when really? she's raped i don't know it, it, i can't pinpoint any point uh, scenes i was reading one review which was like um talking about how like polanski or the writer in general like made it um a conscious decision to let the audience know that she was carrying Satan's baby rather than have it be revealed like at the very end. 
So I think even if, like, Rosemary is seemingly, like, an innocent vessel, the anxiety that the audience is, like, fearing for what she's about to carry kind of makes her, um, her womb monstrous, because you know it's literally carrying a monster. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It totally makes sense. I think maybe there's not the sort of the purest way that we've been talking about much through in the past, where there's more sort of, like, that, um... I can't remember what it's called, uh, the, the like, vagina dentata, the images of, like, open mouths. There's not so much, like, those that sort of symbolism. And I guess that, like, um, goes off of what we said about the film not actually having much gore because it's quite, like, a... It's a movie all about <laughs> being uh, gaslighted. There isn't so much of that overt symbolism or imagery so you wouldn't have like a fucking gaping mouth oh that's a vagina type thing um i thought what i thought was interesting was because the audience knows what baby rosemary is hearing and i feel like throughout the movie we get that she has like an inkling that something is wrong because of like the eating the raw meat and she just seems so at not at ease the entire time and Obviously, because she was so religious, she didn't want to get an abortion. But I think it brings up maybe just the audience. Uh, the fact that it would have been morally correct in this case for her to get an abortion because of what she was bringing into the world. So I feel like in a sense, her womb becomes monstrous because once she even figures out what the baby is and she like has all the cult people being like, hell blank, whose name I'm not going to say because I don't play them games. <laughs> um, and she has all of them around doing that and... <laughs> her first instinct isn't to be like I need to take this baby out because of what will happen to the world it's just like she just ends up embracing it and becoming a mother to this child that she knows is going to eventually bring the end of the world so the morality behind that and like her religion is questionable to me because we know that it would have been morally correct for her to abort the child of Satan and we also know that it would have been morally correct for her to end it right there as soon as they said it. And it wasn't like she had a knife. It wasn't like any of them were holding her back when she like yanks back the blanket and is like, oh my God. Like there was nothing stopping her from being like, oh my gosh, let me take this baby out. Which, I mean, it sounds weird <laughs> in hindsight of like what I'm saying that it would have been morally correct because the baby would bring about the end of times when it came of age it's, and if she was as religion religious as the audience is made to believe she would have did that without a doubt because of her belief in christ so you think it's like weirdly pro-choice it's kind of true because i just googled that abortion was made legal in the united states in 1973 and considering this was uh released in 1968 that is like a very uh slim margin so it might be like have it might have been riding on a sort of pro-choice wave and I, I i think any even if you are the strictest catholic you'd still have some reservations about killing a baby even though and a baby that you carried i think you'd still have reservations about killing a baby even if it is half but as we, i think like in my head i'm still thinking of it like as a baby with some red eyes but if it literally has hooves and stuff like Zabe was saying in the book, like, I would be like, uh-uh. <laughs> this is clearly something, this is not, this is not it. Because if it doesn't even remotely really resemble a human, and she's, like, staring at this beastly creature in a crib, I think it wouldn't be that hard for her to, I guess, be like, for the greater good of humanity, and to not bring about the end of times, and, you know, damn everyone to hell, perhaps I should take out this baby. But do you think, um... Do you think her sort of embracing of motherhood at the end, I think that's like a really horrific moment. Like her smile is really uncanny. I think ironically, because we don't see the baby and she ends up deciding to mother it, even though you know it's so horrific, makes her makes us like almost displace the monstrosity from the situation and the baby to her again. Because you're like, what? She's going to mother it? Kind of thing. And I think, yeah, it brings us back to that. Like, there's something monstrous about a woman's bond to her or mother's bond to her child i don't really i maybe this is telling of me i didn't find the end end in in which she smiles and decides to mother the child that scary i was like yeah okay (laughs) back off louisa (laughs) you're always like 
I thought that was cool. I was totally mother Satan. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. This is my <laughs> indirect way of proclaiming that. Her as a character, someone who desperately wanted a child, who was, who was also a little bit of a pushover. I'm kind of like, yeah, she'd just be like, she'd be convincing to mothering Satan. You're like, story checks out. Twiggy would do it. Rocky. Trying to get me to be his mother. Aren't you his mother? Jumping forward in time, we are now going to talk about the 2019 film The Room, directed by Christian Volkman. In this weird film, young couple Kate and Matt move into a new home and soon discover that the house contains a magical room which grants them any item they wish. But there's a catch. If any object made in the room leaves the house, it ages rapidly and turns to dust. In an attempt to avoid yet another miscarriage, Kate decides to use the room to make a baby called Shane. But the child's unconventional conception makes Matt suspect that Shane has sinister intentions. What the fuck is wrong with you? I took a shortcut. You used the room to make a baby. A baby is not a thing. Yes, it is. Um, so, um, obviously, I feel uh, four out of four of us didn't enjoy this I didn't this hate it. I didn't hate it. I just, I felt like the ending was, like, a lot. Let's start from the beginning. We walk, we, we, we put on the screen. They discover a magical room. And their reaction... The thing that I did is stupid. That I don't like is like they didn't think it was weird that there was a magical room inside their house. Like there was absolutely no questioning of it at all. They were like, "Oh, this is this is yeah. so normal." It was like they didn't try to like contact the people who sold them the house or like like there was no like let me let me call some people. Let me hop on Google. Like even in Twilight, they researched about the demon baby. Like there was some questioning. Also, of the her husband had These wished for like, like a room cool. full of stuff before he even called her in there. He was like, "Wish for something," and she was for a thousand dollars. He was like, "Why didn't I think of that?" And I was like, "You mean to tell me you wished for all this stuff in this room before you even called your wife, and you didn't even think to wish for money?" His whole like artist, uh, the folly of an artist thing that he had going on, corny as fuck, and reminded me of like all the men I went to. Oh my gosh, yeah, he did wish for all those paintings first, and I was like, "Can paintings feed you? Can they clothe you?" I'd be like, (laughs) "They feed your spirit." Give me the cure for cancer. I don't know, in a bottle. He just wished for the dumbest stuff. What I really, really hated is that like weird montage that we get after they've they've the sort of five minutes that they've realized this is happening and then they've processed it and they've decided to just go full steam ahead and wish for everything. And then we get this weird ass cheesy montage of them like screwing around, ordering whatever they want. It, like, it's just what made me really hate them. Why did they have to do like drugs and stuff? I think, like it seemed so out of character. <laughs> that, like, I think the tagline for this movie is like, the only thing more dangerous than the man who can't get what he wants is someone who can get everything they want and that's exactly what they started to do the only thing more dangerous than a person who can't get what they want is a person who gets whatever they want like they just started wishing for stuff that they didn't even want and that's why like when they after you get that montage she's like sitting on the swing and she's all depressed and she doesn't even care where the jewelry is and she's like i'll just wish for some more like it doesn't mean anything everything is meaningless i do like that like the uh the room as like a womb because like they kind of even sound like each other if you say it fast enough and it's not like the traditional thing where we see her go through <laughs> you say fast enough it sounds like well it's an obvious rhyme what do you mean if you say it fast enough <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do that in order to make the connection the room womb in this movie is the opposite almost of like every other monstrous womb trope to me because it's like it's well, it is the evil place eventually, but it's like the site of wish fulfillment. It is a forbidden sort of place because it's obscured originally, but it's like the place where all your needs are met. Sort of like I was saying at the beginning, like to me, I'm like, yeah, why are we so afraid of the womb? Like that is the place we should want to return. Like that is the place where you have no responsibilities. All your needs are met. It's safe from the outside world. It's safe from aging if we're gonna go into the Oedipus complex, which I think that we will eventually in this discussion, like, there's this innate need to return to the womb, or sex is a return to the womb, or a return to the mother, or a return to the 
thing that nurtures you and gives you everything you need. Like in a, this, this is the idealized womb as it's imagined in the, in the like Freudian sense. So it's to me felt very different from the monstrous womb as it's described. Yeah. I know that the, the room, the wish room is supposed to make, well, in our, in the sort of more direct interpretation of it is the womb. But don't you think the the sort of basement um, wiry room is more womb-like? The sort of uh, the machine room, like where the powers are supposedly generated. Mm, not my I think womb. That is like archaic mother trope happening again. So, yeah. Like, but I thought it was like all connected. Like the whole house is basically like the womb, you know? Because it's like. When he like goes through the walls and stuff, it's it's it turns out that they're all like wired like yeah. that. Yeah, and then only when you like exit the house does what you wish for go away. Like you can leave the room. Yeah. So yeah, I think I would agree with Louisa that it's, it's kind of like the whole house. The locus. And like how we talk when we talked about Alien in episode two, the the sort of uh, hallways of the ship, the machinery, the idea of the artificial birth, we kind of get that here, and we the sort of um. Yeah, the industrial sort of um, uh, words, can't think of them. The industrial um, origin of like the house's power. It could be that same sort of asexual birth. I guess that's what like, why I think it's like the archaic mother, because it's like, there's no actual mother present. It's just, um, which is indicative of the archaic mother, because it's always like, she's absent, but... she's like in signified by imagery and like i think in a similar way to alien that's kind of like why zeba i think this goes from like a monstrous or or a happy womb (laughs) to a monstrous womb because it's like similar to alien and where there's just like an anxiety over this um artificial reproduction that's happening and i think that happens with the the father like he because if you think about it like there's nothing, unlike in Rosemary's Baby, where we have an actual demon being birthed, but if you think about it in this film, like, there's nothing actually monstrous about Shane. It's just the fact that he was created by unconventional means. Like, he doesn't actually do anything at the beginning, like, when he's a child. In When he's a child, he doesn't, stop looking at me like that. When he's a child, he doesn't do anything. And I would argue that it's the way the father treats him, like he's a monster, which is what leads to him becoming like that well it's it's like scientifically an evolution thing where like if the baby doesn't look like the father then they the baby babies come out looking more like the dad because if they don't look like the dad then they can reject the child and it's like the same way in animals so the fact that Shane doesn't look anything like him kind of is why he's so unattached and he knows for a fact it's not his child he has he like completely just rejects the child like louise was saying and shane is like pretty normal when he's a kid he just likes to play and read his books and hang out with his mom like he's not he doesn't hate the dad in fact like he wants the dad to like him and then they got in that whole argument where he's like you're a figment and like i mean and the dad even tries to um initiate his death by not telling the wife that he would turn to dust if he goes outside so i think that's what i mean i think he gives him the complex like i think he made he so often but even by calling him a figment it's like delegitimizing his whole origin story and i think that's what makes shane so obsessed with getting an origin story that he's willing to rape his i think he's like which is i think the dad initiates shane into seeing him as competition for the mother's affection rather than like uh, his child who also was deserving to, of his affection his dad initiates like this competition of like it's either you're gonna end or I'm gonna end but we're we're not sharing my wife and I feel like it uh creates Shane to be what he becomes I agree so we're yeah. on the nurture side of this I'm in full support of Matt who knew from the beginning and you're right it does it definitely plays later into the whole Oedipal complex, the sort of like competition between father and son. But at the beginning, he is completely correct in trying to get rid of the baby once she wishes this child into the world. Like, And his hostility after that is so valid because it's 
child is creepy as hell and has a weird ass British accent, which I don't know why I that don't know is. How why is that? <laughs> it really freaked me out. Why is he British? Is it like the, the British villain <laughs> trope? Yeah, I really hope it is. Yeah. You sound really sinister. <laughs> yeah. Out of all of us, yeah. you're definitely the most sinister sounding. um so yeah I think although and we're meant to feel sad we're meant to feel sort of um empathetic towards the wife because of this this miscarriage backstory but I don't think that's that's not like developed enough that I actually care if I'm honest (laughs) (laughs) fuck um I disagree with you. I think you're meant to blame her. I think we have a another sort of um wait, I wrote it. Yeah, I'm, I'm another monstrous mother. Like I think it goes like it's kind of what you said in the first uh in our second episode about Psycho Zeba where it's like classic 40 and bullshit where she almost gets blamed indirectly because it's like you should have listened to the dad um because she like it kind of shows her as constructing him as monstrous because she like suffocates him um and it's like the castrated son thing uh because she's like you can't leave the house you can't do anything but obviously she's doing it because she's coming from this place of trauma because of a miscarriage and she also knows that if he goes outside he'll die um but the film kind of does it as like well you should have known better not to use this magic but which is why i'm more after they have shane and he like takes her in the room is like i wish him away and she can't do it and she says well you do it and he busts out crying he can't do it either i was like well i mean if you couldn't do it, you can't really hold your wife accountable for not being able to wish away the baby. But he doesn't. And also, that's the same thing of, like, Rosemary killing Devil Baby. I think there's a, there's a fundamental but, but Shane was a thing baby. within us. Where it's, it's quite difficult Shane to kill babies. baby. Like, in that sense, I, know, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, no, they can't wish away the baby. But I'm like, I don't know what the hell was Negra with Rosemary. <laughs> but Shane could have been the end of the world. They had no idea the origin of this room. They had no idea how the mechanics worked. This could have been a devil baby. They had no, I like the. It's the what same kind it? of unknown. I don't feel like it was. I don't you feel like the stakes like were as high because devil. I'm like they had been eating food out of their room and stuff anyway. So if it was evil, they were already gone. Like they had already, they had already eaten the fruit. They had already taken way too many things for it to be like a turn back and being like, but we didn't keep the baby, so we're not evil. Like I think at that point they knew that it was just a baby that didn't belong to them. And so I think that's why he felt weird about it. But also like when he makes the nursery, he was like, I think we, I want a baby. Like, and she's like, well, I can't carry it. And he's like, well, let's try. It kind of felt like he was implying that he wanted her to wish for a baby almost. Or like use. I think tired are on the same side of this film. We saw the the same film. You and Zeva saw someone else. I felt like he was like pushing her into it. What makes he didn't specify like don't use the room to have the baby. He was like, I want us to have a baby, and that's what would complete us, and then you'll be happy. But what makes Shane so monstrous then? Like, if it's like I don't get it. What about him innately? Well, a he grew too fast because he because he left the room for like a hot sec. Because, because of, of the, the dad, dad yeah. Because of, because, because of the dad, yes. But also, like, developmentally, he didn't, he didn't have a middle childhood. Like, something, something fucked him up, like, in that moment where, like, he didn't, he didn't get the home training. I think it he was probably never got his the dad letting him go outside to burn alive. <laughs> yeah, it's totally Matt's fault. He didn't know that. His dad was standing, his dad was holding the door as the mom screamed for him to help, I think. (laughs) Yeah, but that's, as in, that's when he was a baby. I think that was, that trauma was somewhere in there. Well, okay, regardless of the trauma inflicted on him, the fact that he was born in this sort of, let's say, unconventional way. Why are you (laughs) pro-life? Like, why aren't you... Why are, why don't you like artificial insemination? I if this was a film about that, then go ahead, Shane, with your creepy ass British accent. But it's not. There is no set this this film is about materialism, okay? There's no there's no fucking pro life shit here. It's just a creepy ass child who's born out of the But he's magic not room. creepy when he was he was not a creepy kid. He was he was he a was creepy creepy. child when he, he made wasn't. that little snow room and all he wanted to do was build snow angels with him in camp. He was not evil and he was not creepy. He was, he was too powerful. Finished. He was too I'm powerful. I'm not saying he's innately evil. I'm not saying he's innately evil. Yeah, you I'm are. saying that 
I'm agreeing with Zaber's um, sort of, I guess, diagnosis that he did not have the proper development as a child. But he and therefore, could have. No, because he, he ages. Because of, because the, dad. of the dad, yeah. There's nothing to not, It's all, all because of the dad. The dad literally dragged him out of his little snow room like, and was like, I told you never to be in there. He was yeah, abusive. Yeah, his dad was abusive. He tried to kill him. And I mean, the mom obviously... <laughs> You could argue this isn't human. I'm sorry, he's not human. I, I would argue so strongly that this child's not human. We even He even calls him a figment. Like, yeah, no, there's the no way. Yeah, the dad does, because he's a hater, much like you, apparently. I'm so, I'm so on his side in this. Like, the idea that things will turn to dust as you leave, yeah, that's a great anchor for, human, uh, for being human. It's mad. But the guy who was in... What it was? This is because no, of the, but the guy yeah. who was in the prison for like killing his family, who actually turned out to be a figment, whose parents died so that um, he could have like a life, but he was like in a mental asylum. Like he was perfectly fine. He didn't kill them; they killed themselves so that he could have a life. And then he got framed for it. And we see that he got out and he didn't do anything wrong. People just assumed he did it because he was the only person in the house. But that proves that like when he went into society, he wasn't an evil person. He was just trying to live his life but he ended up in a mental hospital and he even gave matt all those tips so i feel like him being condemned to a house all day isn't really like a strong argument for him not being human because he doesn't do anything cruel until we see the final acts of the movie once he says all of the trauma inflicted on him from matt again i think the issue here i'm not i don't like I'm not arguing against your like ideology of the film because I think that sounds all in line. But the fact that the, no, I'm not arguing. I'm not touching your ideology, but I agree with it. That's what I'm saying. I agree with okay. what you're saying. Your okay. reading of it. However, I don't think the film. It does not. The fact that it doesn't have any like grounding for what actually this room is. And I'm not saying you don't always have to like spoon feed the audience. But the fact that we don't have like any foundation for that means that we can't make any basis on, on, on the ethics of this film. Also, the fact, it, it's not really even, it's not really about Shane in the end, is it? Even though they make it about him. What? Uh, I'm not going to name which celebrities, but some of them keep having children that they don't take care of because it's a part of their materialism because they feel like to have unlimited children that they don't have to take care of because all of their needs are met and they can wish for a bottle or have a nanny go get it it's part of materialism and that sometimes people treat children like materials i i want to name them because i have an idea of a horror movie (laughs) about like somebody who can have unlimited babies through surrogates and just keeps popping them out until they have an army because they have unlimited resources i think about it at least once a week please write it (laughs) Can I'm working on it? it. Yeah, of course. You can be the surrogate. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have. I have the stupid Twiggy body. I'm not the. Fertile, I also have the, the Twiggy body. Woman. That's what they like for horror movies. Can uh, we? But okay. Can um, we talk about the ending? So I guess we can reel it to the end since Mila really wants to talk about how much she hates Shane, and now we can find out why. <laughs> it's not even that I hate Shane. I think Shane's just a victim of this terrible movie. <laughs> I mean, there's there's like sort of the climax where the where the kid makes the 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 house in the house and the and the double and the second father and the sort of like paradoxical universe and then there's the end scene. I will say I did think like the descent into the extreme to the descent into the Oedipus fable or whatever you want to call it I thought that was clever because like you don't understand who's died what's going on from that disoriented fight scene between him and the dad and then when he's has taken on the dad's identity and she only figures it out because of him chewing the ice um I thought all of that was very clever because like if you're if the audience hadn't paid attention to him like chewing the ice earlier in the movie then they wouldn't have understood why she was like immediately like um no but I just thought it was clever, like, the entire sequence of you figuring out what exactly happened and how Shane had created this alternative house within the room and all of that. I thought that was quite clever. It was just the execution of it that was not great. And, like, having Shane pull a splice and, like, rape his mom and get her pregnant, like, that that turned weird. Quickly. <laughs> Quickly. What do you think of, like, why they do that? Because Creed uh, slash... Christopher, quoting Christopher, 
She says that, like, the mother, oh, sorry, the subject who fantasizes about giving birth to himself does so in order to cut his ties with his mother. So by, like, weird turn of events, this would again be sort of like the suffocating, the castrated son trope where he's like, I'm going to get my own individuality by, like, weirdly going back to the beginning. And it's kind of what was said earlier about, like, writing yourself an origin story so that he could possibly separate from the Although, mother. And again, it kind of... No, you can continue and then goes I'll... goes back to blaming Kate. I don't know, because, like, the thing is, I don't know if he necessarily wanted to get Kate pregnant. I think he literally just saw them going at it, and he was like, oh, I want to try this. Um... Oh, no, I don't think he wanted to get her pregnant either. I mean, he's like, I, I'm more going from a literal return to the womb perspective. Yeah. Like, almost giving birth to himself kind of thing was her husband yeah i think he was just to get her pregnant because she was able to get pregnant from shane so easily oh yeah maybe he was the infertile one. <gasps> oh my god maybe that's why he hates him so much i mean i interpreted that that like shane trying to have sex with his mom as like yes return to the womb and also the competition with the father and like this seems to be the thing that you do that she likes and it's <sighs> And it's the only thing I haven't tried yet. It's disgusting. I know it's disgusting, but that that's like how the Oedipus complex works. It's like if you're in constant competition with the father for the mother's attention, like in his in his underdeveloped mind that skipped years of nurturing, that's what he thinks he's supposed yeah. to do. I did think it was weird that he that's he knew point. he needed to age up in order to even initiate anything um, of that caliber or. But, I mean, granted, I'm glad that they did that because I would have been ultra grossed up. They would have tried to do it with him as a kid. That would have been really fucking weird. How did he... But he knew he needed to age up so that he could properly, like, fight the father and he had the gun and everything waiting for him. Mm -hmm. So, um... But I don't think it was about age. I think it was about... It was about, like, body. Yeah, he he just had to become the husband. But he when he came back in the house and he looked like someone from, like, a, a freaking outback of australia or something i don't know he just looked very very distressed with red hair that he did not previously have his hair was like reddish when he came back and he was like shirtless when he ages up and he has like the gun and i was like where did he come from this does not even remotely look like the child i guess i forgot that he tries to attack her before he impersonates him so and then it doesn't work and she like freaks out and he ends up like almost shooting i think he ends up shooting her by accident or something like that um because the dad like dove in the way matt like dove on him and it made the gun fire um and then that's when he's like realizes that he has to like pretend to be matt in order to like win her place and he's he's dead he's gone like we always wanted and he like carries her into i want to know how he did that because his powers... Uh, he, he made a room inside uh, of the room. He made the house inside of the room. And I guess that's why we... But how did he make himself like that? I don't know. I guess he had to wish for himself to be mad, which was even weirder. Or maybe he wished for, like, a mat too. Yeah. Uh, so, final scene, where they've escaped the room. Shane is now dead. He dies in that sort of weird, like, um, it reminds me of um, Voldemort when he's, like, all shriveled yes! up. Oh, my God, I was going to say that! because it basically rips off harry potter because the room is like the room of requirement okay i didn't i'm not i'm not quite yeah. on the same level of <laughs> room of requirement to harry potter. excuse me what you've lost me there what? you don't know what the room of requirement no, is i i did not read harry potter i'm sorry it, all right it's a magical room where you go in and anything you need appears, appears. <gasps> oh my god this is a oh so when I say it's a Harry Potter ripoff, I mean it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, back to so they've he's Shane is dead. Shane has also, um, so previously Shane has raped the mum. Now he's dead. The couple have escaped. They're in a motel. Then she gets a pregnant stick. Finds out she's preggers. Light flash in the background, which indicates the presence of the room's magic because it happened throughout the whole film yeah or or at least just shane's sort of presence this might presence. be i think i'm just overthinking this but i wonder if the child will look like shane since he um got her pregnant while he was as shane again i don't think you're at fault for not understanding this <laughs> i think it's <laughs> it's a fault of the movie and like the shaky 
foundation of like we we don't understand and not in a good ambiguous mysterious way we don't understand because there's so many inconsistencies yeah 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 there's no consistent lore like like you're 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 gonna drive yourself in circles trying to like figure out the rules of this universe because i don't think that the writers have established rules for themselves i will say it did follow like oedipus like almost exactly because like when he kills the dad he is like technically the king of the castle in the new house that he creates within the room and he does get his mother pregnant and it is still like that absolute horrific scene that they have in Oedipus when she realizes what's happened um the only thing is he just didn't successfully kill the father which is why it almost reverts back to like um the initial fight between him and the dad but the dad wins because he didn't quite complete the what do they call prophecy we get like a tiny bit of that law in terms of um the 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 figment who's in the mental hospital who <laughs> looks like terry richardson with his glasses um he like talks about um i mean he goes off on like materialism but then he also talks about like nietzsche's like god is dead so there's a sense of the creator and like there's a little bit of that but it's all like very it's all it's so embarrassingly like surface level so that you don't really actually well even not even that you it's too it's kind of handed to you but then it doesn't follow through because you it ends up with this like oedipal i don't know finish i think this film the ending is like kind of disappointing because in one way that the film was like not not disputing like the whole canon of uh, the monstrous feminine tropes in horror because it still very much, as we said, relates to the archaic mother with womb imagery and that's still relating back to women's bodies. However, it did kind of dispute the monstrous womb horror trope because it wasn't actually happening inside of her body. Like, for once, the locus of horror was outside of her person. But then it's just, it kind of was annoying because right at the end, it went right back to the whole genre of monstrous womb, which is like, and what is she gonna give birth to? And I'm like, right. oh, we we were so close to not doing that, and then we did it. It was yeah, a bit of a cheap ending. Yeah, a little bit. Thank you for listening to the Monstrous Women, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at the Monstrous Women Podcast, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please leave us lots of comments. We'd love to hear what you think. Brooms up, witches out.